bringing relevant and engaging insights to human resource and talent development professionals. This is Talent Champions with Diana Thomas, sponsored by Franklin Covey. Here is your host, Diana Thomas. Welcome to another episode of Talent Champions. I'm Diana Thomas, and I'm honored to be your host. Today's guest is my friend and colleague, Judy Whitcomb. Welcome, Judy. Thanks, Diana. I'm looking forward to our discussion today. Judy is the Senior VP of Human Resources and Learning and Organizational Development at V. And V runs exclusive retirement care communities in very desirable areas throughout the U.S., V was recently included on Glassdoor's top 100 best places to work. Congratulations. Thanks, Diana. Initially, we met through networking events. I've been fortunate uh, to be able to interact with Judy over the years. We've shared best practices and helped each other out. And firsthand, I was able to see the wonderful culture at V when I was able to do some work with her and her company. So we invited you to talk about recruiting and retaining talent in this tight market. But first, I wanted our audience to get to know you a little bit better. So maybe start with just sharing a little bit about yourself, your background. Sure. Thanks, Diana. My background uh, goes all the way back to United Airlines. My my father worked for United Airlines for, for 38 years, and for a brief time, I strayed away and um, ended back at the airline just because I love the airline industry and flying. And um, I spent 19 and a half, almost 20 years of my career at United working in different roles. My first job in training organizational development was manager of uh, training for the Midwest region for United Airlines. So I spent 19 and a half years of my career at United and then uh, transitioned into financial services where I had the opportunity not only to uh, work in human resources and learning and development, but I also um, got the great opportunity to step out of HR and learning and work in the business. I, um, in that organization managed um, business development sales, as well as operations, uh, national branch network and call center operations. So um, between those two different organizations, I really got an opportunity not only to practice HR and learning, but I got to apply (laughs) everything that uh, we talk with learning leaders about um, in the business. So it's, it's been really helpful for me as I've transitioned into my role at V. Um, I joined the company about 11 and a half years ago as um, the head of learning and development. It was a startup role. And um, in the last six years, I've transitioned into overseeing all of HR and learning for V. That's great. And I love your background. It's one of the things that I advise up-and-coming learning leaders, people that aspire to be in that role. And I'll say to them, learn as much as you can about the business. So similar to what you did, I was in operations, I was in human resources, I was in uh, HR before I landed the role of leading learning and development for McDonald's Corporation. And that background helped me so much. So yours is even broader to really understand the business, because I see that that's one of the things when someone is more narrowly focused 
focused when I'm coaching them today in my practice is it's hard for them to make those connections. So what a fabulous background in regards to helping you get ready for the role that you're in today. Um, so let's talk about V a little bit more in regards to, you know, kind of what you do in your day-to-day role and a little bit about this company. Sure. Well, we're a continuing care uh, retirement provider. Uh, We operate uh, 10 continuing care retirement communities in six states. Um, I would say we're the best of five-star resort living, uh, meet senior living. Our employees are a combination of hospitality and healthcare talent. You know, I have the, the unique opportunity to Uh, work with our different business leaders across the organization to ensure that uh, we have the right talent, we have the right training, uh, we have the right human resource practices to support our business. It's it's incredibly complex. Um, I thought the airline industry was complex until I came into senior living. I have really strong partnerships with our business leaders. And, you know, it's really been, um, it's been a great ride the last 11 and a half, 12 years. I really um, enjoyed working in, a, in an industry that makes such a difference in the lives of, of older adults. Yeah, well, it's been wonderful to see you kind of grow in your career, especially just the recognition of V, not only for what you do, which is really impressive, and being able to see firsthand one of your communities. And like you said, the complexity from nursing staff to hospitality staff to all different level of skills that you need and and just the sheer number of people that you recruit for one location uh, is impressive. So I, I love that you've had had that chance to just uh, really be such a broad leader and to work in such an um, evolving uh, industry, too. So one of the things that really impressed me was just uh, V's reputation for having such a strong employee culture. Uh, and, you know, it's very impressive, your position on Glassdoor's best places to work. Especially, you know, there's some really big nationally known brands on that list. So maybe you could tell us from the perspective of an employee, what's it like to work for V? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. Um, you know, we survey our employees frequently, and and what I mean by that, not only do we look at um, our employee survey results annually, but we, we survey our, our new hires that start the organization. We survey those who leave the organization and we look at all that data and it really gives us a picture of how people feel about the culture. Um, I remember last year's employee survey, the survey provider that we use provided us a word cloud of the most frequent words that appeared in um, our employee survey comments. And one of them was family. Employees feel like working at V, they have a sense of family. Uh, Caring came up as well, compassionate, meaningful work, um, high performing. Um, Those are some of the words, but I, I think the word that resonated with me the most was family. And while we're not, you know, the largest company in the United States. We have 3,000 employees in six states and 10 locations that work 24-7. And the fact that um, they're able to connect at a level that they feel that V, the company, the community that they work in, um, instills a sense of family. 
I think that that says a lot. Um, and so that, that word really resonated with me. Um, I think it resonates uh, with me and my colleagues at the corporate office as well. We get to know people at a personal level. And I know it, on any given day when I, I stop by one of our locations, it, it's really gratifying to see the same familiar faces year after year, um, to know the nurses, to know the concierge staff, to know the chef. When you, you have that longevity um, and you have those high levels of retention, uh, that familiarity that I feel our residents, uh, those who live in our community feel that even more. So um, I think family is a good word that represents me. <laughs> I, I agree. And, and you know what? You just don't hear that as much today, you know, in, in corporations, family, because, you know, budgets have gotten tighter and resources. And, and sometimes people don't look at their employees as more than assets. They really look at them as, you know, we need to make sure that, you know, they get this amount of work done and productivity. But I love the culture because I've, I've heard companies talk about it. And I'm a huge supporter of, you know, what is the mission and how do you get your people around it and really being valued based culture. But it's great to go to an organization and feel it and see it. So did you intentionally set up this uh, culture, you know, starting top down? Was it, did it just evolve? How, how did you end up getting to this point as far as having such a strong internal culture that people would talk about it as family and compassionate, you know, high performing, all of those things you mentioned? Yeah, well, we've been in business for a little over 30 years. And I, I, I think that that's a great question, you know, is, it, you know, I think you have to be deliberate and intentional as a leadership team to instill those values and to demonstrate those values in your actions, what you say, what you do, um, how you, you act. And I, I would even say, you know, when things are bad, how you act and react to things. So um, I don't think I can take credit or my team can take credit for culture. And I know that's not what you're asking, but I would say that we have had for over 30 years core values of integrity, compassion, and excellence. And that starts with the top, our president and our executive team. But I would say that that gets filtered down through our actions. So, you know, whether it's our, our management development training program for frontline leaders that are, are just starting in their career, or whether it's our emerging leaders, new managers, or whether it's our breakthrough leadership participants that are our high potentials in our organization. I think anything that you can do to reinforce those core messages, integrity, compassion, excellence, it reinforces culture and um, it has to start with your leaders. So um, if your leaders are modeling it and your employees are seeing it in the actions and the behaviors and your communications, it's going to um, gradually and naturally become part of your culture. Again, I don't think it's something you can do overnight. I think companies try, they see they have a culture problem and um, I think, you know, probably in your work with organizations, Diana, you know, oftentimes companies, you know, will, will call on learning leaders and ask for help, like, let's fix it. And it's not something that can be fixed overnight. And uh, just like culture isn't built overnight, it's done through, you know, your actions, your behaviors, um, and, and it's sustainability. People want to see it consistently. 
No, great, great advice. And I love your mention about it starts with leadership. And, and I, I see firsthand, and you talk about it all the time. You're so willing to share. And that's one of the things that I love about you as far as sharing best practices. I love how um, uh, aligned you are with leadership. So I've had the chance to see you interact with your top leaders and the feedback that you give them. And it doesn't come across that, you know, you work for them. It really does come across that you guys are a team and you're giving feedback in the best interest of your employees and your customers. So how did you go about building that great rapport with your leadership? Uh, yeah, a gr- another great question. Um, you know, building relationships with your, your your colleagues or your peers. I look at our chief operating officer as as my business partner, and I don't believe human resources or learning, you know, <laughs> exists for the benefit of the department. You know, it's it's not there for the operations department to serve us or follow, you know, what we ask them to do. We're, we're, we're partners and we're there to help um, our operations team, our employees in the field be successful. So I think my perspective around that partnership comes from the respect that I gained from having a leader at United tell me to get out of HR and learning and work in the operations. So I think my, my, my root feeling is, um, uh, and my, my actions and my behaviors and philosophy around that partnership is really driven from that experience, having to work in operations, having to manage um, international operations, having to, to manage sales, uh, lead a sales organization. So I have a tremendous respect of how complex our business is. I know very often HR and learning are viewed as organizations that drive work and bureaucracy. Um, my, my initial thought is, is how can we drive business results? How can I be a partner? And I think that partnership and camaraderie and how we work together is because of that respect the work that needs to be done. And then also the operational constraints, right? Um, a lot of times when you, um, and, and I'll, I'll be the first to say, I've been guilty of this. <laughs> you know, you work at the corporate office and you're out of touch with what is really going on in, in, in the field. And, um, you know, until I had a, a leader that said, you know, this would really be beneficial to you. I didn't have that perspective. So, um, and I genuinely enjoy my colleagues, my, my uh, business partners, whether it's our VP of nursing or culinary or a facilities management team or chief operating officer, I look at our work together as problem solving together. I want to use my resources and my knowledge to help support our, our business outcomes. So uh, I genuinely enjoy working with them. We solve complex problems together. Mm-hmm. We, we fail together. We, su- we succeed together. And um, so again, it's not something, there's no magic formula, but I do think having a respect for the business and really getting out there and understanding what your business partners are going through um, is really important. Um, so that's, that, that's probably yeah. what you see. It's probably my years of experience actually working in operations. 
I love that, you know, you you talk about having a, a, the respect for the business and knowing the business. And, and I think that is one thing that differentiates you, again, another positive attribute is you don't talk like an HR training person. You know, you talk about being aligned with your leadership and being part of that team and the business. And I think that is some advice all talent champions should take to heart is, are you really grounded in what your business does? Are you in touch with what your employees are going through? And that helps to, you know, foster your values-based culture. So to kind of going back to the, the culture, what if some of our listeners are in an organization, maybe where the culture isn't where they want it to be? What kind of advice would you have to them to start to turn that around and create a, a healthier, more productive, better culture? Yeah, I think the first piece of advice I'd give um, the listeners would be, don't try to boil the ocean. (laughs) You know, it's daunting. And I believe the best thing that you can do to turn things around is taking incremental steps and realizing that it takes time um, to build culture. It takes time to build those relationships and partnerships. Um, I know I'm going to speak from experience when I, I joined Z. Um, I didn't have any background in senior living. I didn't have any background in healthcare or hospitality. My my background is strictly operations uh, of a global airline, very complex business. But um, I knew early on that I needed to build credibility and a reputation. And so you have to think back, what can you bring to the table? Um, and I knew what I could bring to the table were my experiences in operations, I believe pretty strong business skills and understanding operations. And then I looked for allies, um, partners that were willing to work with me. So um, early on at V, I I knew (laughs) I had a very passionate group about learning and and, and a lot of ownership and, and really trying to figure out how can I leverage that passion? How can I take that? passion that everyone has and turn it to a strength where where people were a little bit scared, like Judy Whitcomb's coming into V. What is she going to do? How is she going to change my world? Is she going to take my training dollars? Is she <laughs> going to change the way we do things? And and that's a real fear. And I think, you know, oftentimes when, you know, you're approaching a problem, you want to come up with five or six or seven different things. And it starts with building relationships one at a time. And early on, I, I realized there was a strong passion and desire to partner um, on the marketing side um, and sales side. Um, I joined the company in 2007 when there was a downturn in the economy. So I, I focused on you know cultivating that relationship in sales and marketing, leveraging my experience in sales and marketing, my business knowledge, and then my, my knowledge in learning and organizational development and, and really established a partnership with that organization to um, drive out some, you know, fairly substantial training and development initiatives to support um, our sales initiatives and our financial results. And that went so well that that allowed me to be able to go to other parts of the business and show that we could demonstrate value. So uh, I think the advice I give is find those partners, find those individuals, 
in your organization that are willing to partner with you, leverage your, your knowledge, your skills, the talents you bring, and then market those. Go out and talk about them and involve your customers. Those are some of the things I did early on when I joined V, um, you know, identifying strengths. Um, leveraging those strengths, finding partners, and then marketing the results, and, and then asking for help, asking for um, involvement. Very often, early on in my career, uh, training and development managed everything. They had a plan. Everything had to be approved. Everything was bureaucratic. What I've really tried to do is make things easy for my customers. I think that that's gone a long ways to building those relationships. I love what you said. And the first thing is you can't do it all. So you can't boil the ocean. So find those allies, start to, you know, demonstrate value. Because I think that is something that people get worried with training and development and, and HR, they're going to start all these initiatives. And if you can start with you're supporting what the business needs, and then back into that with those people, those partners, those allies, um, all great advice for our listeners that are trying to create an even stronger culture. Because we know that culture, you know, really does um, support and create behaviors and behaviors are what gets you the results. So I love how, you know, intuitively, you already know that. Back to kind of the culture and the award-winning culture, because not only did we talk about Glassdoor and being one of the best places to work, I love how your employees get so excited. I remember at one of the events that you were being given an award and how excited your employees were. And it wasn't you getting the award. And every time I always congratulate you, I don't know if you know you do this. It's it's not me, it's my team. But when you talk to your team, they really have a stake in and, and are excited about winning the award or getting the recognition. So to me, that really goes to your leadership in just making them feel a part of the process and, and feeling good about it. So kudos. Yeah. Thank you. It's one of the things I think I'd like to, to go back to in that I didn't probably spend enough time on is the fact that I think it's really important um, to the extent that you can um, to include your business partners, whether that's the field or the corporate office, in launching, developing, um, and celebrating your learning successes. And um, some of the things that we've done in the, in the organization over the last 10 years that I think have contributed um, to our learning culture at B is the fact that we have a learning council, and we put that in place 10 years ago. Um, and it goes back to that passion, leveraging the passion around learning and employee development and having your business partners involved in taking your limited training dollars and resources and, and helping decide how to best spend those, but also involve them in um, determining effective business outcomes and, and, and sharing those results. We go as far as even having our business partners involved in developing and delivering training. And that has been, again, a force multiplied. We don't have a large learning and development staff. So, um, you know, we have invested in programs to um, provide our learning leaders facilitation skills training, course development training. Uh, we've sent them to certification programs. And this is all geared towards enlarging our leaders' responsibility that training is an important part of their job. And not only is it an important part of their job, it has a strong impact um, on retention and engagement in the workplace. When we talk about the celebrations and the awards, 
The awards are great because it's great recognition for the company. It helps us attract um, talent because companies um, that offer a great value proposition for employee development are are more likely to uh, be able to attract the right candidates. But I also think it's really exciting to include your business partners in, in the celebrations. Anytime we participate in any of the award ceremonies to have our, our chief operating officer, our vice president of sales, um, employees from our locations attend the ceremony. Again, it creates that shared sense of ownership of learning. It's owned by every leader in the organization. So when we, we work on things together, we celebrate together. And, and that's what I mean when I say it's not my award or my team's award, it's our award, because that's truly how we execute it be everyone's involved in learning two things really stand out to me one you are part of the leadership team and the leadership team sees you in that role and there are so many people that as you said you've leveraged that feel like they're part of your team and they're from all different parts of the organization so maybe really blurring those lines and the common denominator is focused on your employees and focused on your customers. You've enlarged people's jobs that they're all coming together for the good of the customer or the good of the employees. So um, any additional thoughts on that? Yeah, we have really taken the opportunity over the last, I'd say, five or six years to um, enlarge individuals' jobs. So uh, for instance, we have a director of HR for two communities in one of our locations, and she's got a full-time job, um, but she had an additional desire to to teach that went well beyond her day-to-day responsibilities. So, um, you know, we've leveraged those opportunities by sending her to certification classes for emotional intelligence, and she facilitates our company-wide management development program, and she also facilitate sessions for our Breakthrough Leadership Program. We really leverage the leader as teacher philosophy in our organization and not only enlarges an individual's job, but it also creates higher levels of commitment and ownership for learning in the organization. Definitely award-winning strategies and and that they're definitely paying off for you and could be paying off for our audience as well. So thinking back and thinking about the talent shortage that is going on right now, how is V's employee culture represented in your recruiting efforts? We noticed um, about two years ago that it became more and more challenging to fill our talent pipeline. And at that point, we started to reevaluate our marketing strategies um, to focus on our strong learning culture. Over the last couple of years, we have really um, put a tremendous amount of effort in sharing our employees' success stories. It's a multifaceted approach, something that's very genuine. You know, it's easy for organizations to put up a slick website, talk about their commitment to training and development have a a cool catchphrase, say we're award-winning, you know, but at the end of the day, nothing resonates more with candidates than hearing employees' stories. Over the last couple of years, we've really shifted our focus on on marketing our employees' success stories. They're very genuine. I can't tell you how many employees we have, you know, uh, working for us today that started as a high school student and have built 
careers from high school into leadership roles at the company. You know, we've been really strategic in thinking about that. You know, our new hires, when they start with the company, receive a survey. And one of the questions we ask them in the survey is what attracted them to be and what helped them make their employment decision. And one of the top choices is consistently our reputation for training and development. Oh, that is awesome. Yeah, it's very cool. And I love, first of all, I love that you asked that up front and how rewarding to see that and know that you're on the right track. Yeah, it has been. It's been super. And and it's it's been very inspiring. In fact, um, I'm going to be at one of our locations in a couple of weeks. We're going to shoot additional videos at one of our locations. But, you know, I, I have hundreds of employees we could interview that talk about not only how meaningful the work is, um, they talk about their experience with the culture. But again, you know, when I, I saw the survey results ahead of pay, ahead of benefits, the fact that we have a reputation for cultivating talent is is really, you know, it's been impactful. And so that's why, you know, I would encourage learning leaders or HR professionals really to understand you know, similar to consumer marketing, what drives behaviors? What drives candidates to your website? What drives candidates to apply? Consumer marketing, they understand the motivations and behaviors of of consumers. We need to do the same thing as HR professional and learning professionals in order to fill that pipeline. So, um, it's something you have to do constantly. It's not one plan that, that stands on its own for the year. You have to continually look at that plan. You have to look at the data. You have to modify it. But I think what's been really successful for us has been our storytelling. The fact that those are genuine stories. It's part of our culture. People get it. And it's throughout the organization. Can you tell us a little bit more about how you're using social media to get the word out about V and what a great culture you have and that it's such a great place to work? Yeah, I have a background in marketing. I spent three and a half years as a brand manager at United Airlines. And I've taken marketing classes, believe it or not. There, there is a huge correlation, again, um, between consumer marketing Understanding the behaviors, understanding the motivations, understanding your segments of a consumer, and, and then translating that to a candidate experience, what candidates are looking for. What are your segments? Who are you trying to recruit? What motivates them? And that's going to be different by um, the candidate, whether you're recruiting for nursing or culinary or you know, you have to look at that segment. What's your value proposition? You know, you need to understand that very clearly. You need to be able to market that. And so for social media, even though I have a a background in marketing, um, I'm really fortunate to have a strong partner, our VP of marketing. And we talk frequently and I partner with our community relations managers and our sales directors because I believe any great story about our employees should also be shared with our prospects and our residents because our residents want to know that, you know, V takes great care of their employees. V is a great place to work. Um, v invests heavily in training. So um, when you ask about social media, we, you know, continue to leverage channels such as Facebook, Twitter, We've even tried Snapchat. I think the important thing is, is is to try to understand all the different channels out there and then look at the data and see what works. Um, we've had some experiments. We've had some failed experiments. 
But I think the thing is, is you've got to try it because social media is so prevalent and it sets a tone. Um, you know, the more frequently you're out there, you're sharing information. Again, ours is really re- related to stories. Anything we can do about sharing stories about our culture, about our employees, about what it's like to work at V um, through social media has been very helpful. And I think helping us maintain a fairly good talent pipeline. I also have seen you on LinkedIn. Is there one um, particular medium that you would say to our audience, if you're not on this one, you need to be because we're getting the best results from this particular one? Yeah, you know, again, great question. I know, you know, every organization has limited dollars to spend on social media and recruitment and amplifying their message. And I would love to say, I think there's one more effective than the other. I just don't think there is. I think it it could be um, based on the organization and uh, the types of employees that you're recruiting. So if you're a professional services organization, LinkedIn might be the most effective way to to market, right, and to um, promote your your careers and your organization. Um, given the broad spectrum of jobs that we have, um, we have housekeepers, we have servers, we have cooks, we have sales directors, we have accountants, we have nurses. We understand that we're going to have to use a lot of different channels to reach those different audiences. And what we try to do is analyze the data to see what's most effective. And um, again, but I think all of those support uh, your employment brand. And, you know, if you have limited resources, I think you have to look at where you're getting the most value for applies. And and it's not just applies. It's also how long do people stay on your page? What do they look at? You should be able to have those analytics. Um, We work with an organization today that provides us pretty strong analytics. So we understand where people spend their time on the page what's resonating. In fact, we're making some changes now. We recognize the power of the video. So we're moving more of our videos of employees up front um, on our career site. But I do think the data and analytics is critical and looking at that is critical. What else are you doing to fill your talent pipeline in this tighter labor market? Yeah, over the last couple of years, I think we've shifted. uh, I'm going to go back to the learning side of my role. Um, We have shifted some of our focus, we still keep our core training programs around leadership because we think strong leaders, we know this, it's not new to V. Everyone knows that strong leaders build uh, engagement, they build retention. Um, so we have continued to invest in our core programs around leadership, certifications. We continue to enhance those. But over the last couple of years, um, we recognize that career growth is important for retention. And you know, one of the upsides of retention is you don't have to recruit and you have consistent, you know, experiences for your residents. But you also sometimes give your employees an opportunity to say, hmm, I wonder if there's something outside that I can have some career progression. So over the last few years, we've worked with our business partners to develop career ladders. So for frontline positions like um, cooks, um, we partnered with two of our executive chefs in our, our food and beverage department at the corporate office to develop um, career ladders and aligned content, development content, not only to increase the competency um, and performance of our cooks, but also to provide career progression and support retention. 
Likewise, um, for our frontline um, entry-level nursing positions, certified nursing assistants, CNAs, we've done the same thing. Uh, we partnered with our frontline nurse leaders and our corporate resident care team, and we created a career ladder, again, building the competencies of our CNAs that in turn um, supports our quality and our service and our care initiatives. And it also gives an employee an opportunity to self-direct their career and their promotional opportunity. So that's the infrastructure we've created over the last couple of years. Uh, that has served us well, and, and we're expanding the career ladder. We're looking at other roles in the organization. Again, career ladders aren't new. We're, we're taking some roles that are not conventionally uh, focused on career ladders and creating some unconventional career ladders with growth opportunities. Uh, but what we've done, this has been really great for us uh, from a talent acquisition side, is we're going further down the talent pipeline and focusing on high schools and focusing on community colleges and apprenticeship programs. And it's great that we can, you know, go to a high school and, you know, maybe a student isn't interested or isn't sure if they want to go to a four-year college. You know, colleges cost a lot of money. Students don't always know what they want to do. And so, um, you know, we have put in this career ladder, we're able to go to the school and say, first of all, we're a great employer. We're a great place to work. Um, we provide great pay. We provide a great work culture. And we have nationally recognized training programs. And by the way, if you have students that uh, aren't sure really what they want to do, here are some different career paths they could explore. They could start while they're in high school. They could pursue a culinary path. They could pursue an entry-level nursing path and then work their way into becoming an RN. So what we really try to do is create this infrastructure and support to really go further down the pipeline for high school students, community colleges. And then on the other side of that, we recognize that the workforce is getting older. And uh, we also recognize we have a lot of nurses that are going to be retiring, not just at V, but that's just a national statistic. We know that, you know, in the next 10 years, there's going to be a severe nursing shortage. Individuals want to contribute well beyond their retirement. So can we, um, and we, we've done this through a partnership through ARP, AARP, we are now marketing our careers to older adults. You know, it's an opportunity to have meaningful work. Um, whether it's part-time or full-time. And so we've gone uh, on both spectrums of the talent pipeline. Uh, we continue our outreach to veterans, um, partnerships with different schools and community organizations. I think all of those things, it's not just one solution, it's looking at all those different solutions. And then internally, having the support and resources and programs to, to ensure that those individuals are successful. Wow, that's so impressive. I love how broad it is, but focused your recruitment or your recruitment strategy as far as you know, we talked about social media, it sounds like internally, you're doing even more to move people up and fill higher level positions. Love tapping into the high schools, as well as, you know, colleges, traditionally companies have been doing that. And then thinking about the, you know, the, the older population and knowing that they still want to contribute and are able to make a, an impact. And, and so, wow, Judy, who has had the greatest impact on your professional life? And why wouldn't you be where you are today without that person's impact or influence? 
I'm going to say that's two people. I had one director that I worked for at United early on in my career that really pushed me. Um, he pushed me out of the department. I, I was so comfortable. <laughs> I progressed in the department. He continued to give me you know, additional assignments, stretched me, made me uncomfortable, sometimes made me cry, not because he was trying to make me cry, but just because he pushed me, he saw the potential in me. I was probably in my early to mid 20s and he would have me present um, complaint data um, to executives at night. And you can imagine nobody wants to hear complaint data and then <laughs> to be in front of all of these executives um, and the stress and, and being able to think on your feet. And he kept pushing me and it made me so uncomfortable. And you know what? That was the best thing that he could do because that discomfort, you have the greatest growth with the most discomfort. I believe that. I think mm. when you have discomfort, that's the opportunity where you can embrace growth, you know, face that, that challenge head on. And so I give that credit to him. And he was the one, there was an opportunity in human resources I was managing training for our organization, um, and I really enjoyed working for him. And he gave me lots of opportunities to learn and grow. And there uh, came an opportunity in the human resources department, and um, it was managing United's 401k plans. And I'm like, he came to me and he goes, human resources stopped by, and they'd like to talk with you about this opportunity in the 401k area. And I'm like, what? I, I know nothing about <laughs> 401ks other than I contribute to them. <laughs> and he goes, no, 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 I think you should consider it. And I was scared, again, back to being nervous and really not being sure of myself. He had more faith in me than I had in myself. And he literally pushed me out of the department. He said, I this is a great opportunity. He said, they're not looking for someone that um, has all this knowledge. They're looking for someone that is a strong leader that knows how to, to leverage their resources and partner with their team. I didn't even feel like I was there, but all I can tell you is I got every book in the world on 401ks. I studied, I worked so hard because I didn't want to disappoint him because he had invested so much in me and he had so much belief in me. And so he had a big impact on me early in my career. And I'd say the second person, I'd limit it to one, but the other individual was our director of learning and development for the company at United. And um, likewise, um, there was an opportunity in marketing in premium customer products and services. And they were looking to um, have a, a learning leader um, join the premium products and services department to help with change management and um, to think about training when we implemented new products and services. And again, it was that same anxiety. There's people with their MBAs in marketing. You know, what do I know about marketing? And I remember even at one point, I was asked to put a straw man together for um, an acquisition the airline was working on. I'm like, what's a straw man? Is it something from the Wizard of Oz? You know, I was just, but she pushed me. She said, this is a great opportunity for you to get out of HR. So it was interesting on both sides of my, my career at United, one pushing me into HR and one saying, get out of HR, work in the business. You know, and it's going to be a great opportunity for you. And I think those, both of those experiences were really impactful to me as a young leader and then uh, further along in my career. I love that. Get uncomfortable. 
And that's one of the things when I'm coaching executives, especially women, that they want to stay safe, you know, and, and I understand needing to provide for your family and, and being comfortable. But I love what you said is, you know, great growth comes from being uncomfortable. And kudos to you for stepping up and doing those roles, because there's a population out there that mm, isn't taking that chance or that risk. And sometimes, you know, with the biggest risks come the biggest rewards and, and definitely, like you said, growth. So congratulations and just being a role model for so many people. Well, I had, I had great mentors. And honestly, that confidence helped me take the risk to leave United when I decided I wanted to leave. So you know, knowing I would be okay, knowing I had that self-confidence to, 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 you know, take on challenges or even come to a different industry, right? That's all built to where I'm at today. Just, you know, tackling things I've never tackled before, but it's made me more resilient. It's helped me um, as a leader and a coach when I'm working with other people that sometimes individuals don't want to try, they're nervous and, you know, you've got to have that fine balance of pushing people too far beyond their comfort right. that they, they, they don't, they, they, they go and it's, it's an art. It's something I'm continuing to, to, to refine myself. Um, but, um, you know, it, it really has made a difference in my career and my, my outlook on things. Wow. That comes through and not only what, how you talk and, and what you share in your advice, but also the fabulous results that you've continued to get. So congratulations. Is there one final piece of advice that you would say, gosh, really make sure you do this if you want to continue to grow, if you want to be successful? I would say the biggest piece of advice is, is don't take yourself too seriously. Um, laugh, and this is probably more than one piece of advice, but I, I think it's important just to, to remember, laugh, enjoy your, your career, enjoy your colleagues, enjoy what you do, and don't take everything so seriously. I think, you know, it's perspective, right? When you look at everything else that's going on, you know, come back, center yourself around, you know, it's okay, things are going to be okay. I just feel like even during the most stressful times in my career or, um, you know, and I've been through a lot. I, I worked at United on 9-11, you know, and I can go back and I say what got me through it is just, you know, stepping back, taking a few moments when it's appropriate, if it's appropriate, laugh, you know, try to, to, to ground yourself and, 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 and not react. Wow. Great advice. So Judy, it's been so much fun and so enlightening talking to you. How can our listeners continue to learn from you and stay in touch? Well, first of all, Diana, thank you. You know, it's always a delight to work with you and spend time with you. Um, I would be delighted to connect with learning leaders, HR professionals, and you can find me on LinkedIn. I love to stay connected and share best practices. I think that's the best thing that you can do is, is, uh, connect with other learning leaders and learn from one another. And um, again, I just very much appreciate your time today and, and just having a conversation. Yeah. Well, thank you so much and uh, have a great week. You too. Come join us for our next Talent Champions episode when I'll be interviewing Bob Mosier, author and chief learning evangelist at Applied Synergies. 
we will be discussing ways organizations can develop and assist their employees to be the most productive, an important topic in today's world. So have a great week. Thanks for listening to Talent Champions with Diana Thomas. For more information about today's show or to receive more valuable insights, please visit franklincovey.com slash talentchampions. If you've enjoyed this podcast, check out Franklin Covey's other podcast, Great Life, Great Career with Scott Miller and Franklin Covey on Leadership, available from your favorite podcast provider.